It is time to talk to our friend Alex Zelinsky of the Portland Mercury. Alex, hello. Hello. How's it going? Woo wee. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Like I finally got a, a good night's sleep. I didn't. I, I no. I I've been I one to one to one to five forty five is my is my current sleep pattern for the last three or four nights. Mm. Yeah, this past night I I. I hit the hay pretty well. The night before, I couldn't fall asleep after being up. The, the adrenaline and, and the coffee of just trying to figure out kind of what was going to come from these stagnant numbers uh, kept me up. This morning, I was just, I went and I just kneeled on the couch. I didn't sit on it. I, I was in a position on the couch I've never been in before. I, my, I was kneeling on it with my shoulder up against it and my head down on the, on the back part of the couch. And I just couldn't really move. I, I was like, it was, I was not sitting. I was not lying down. I was not praying. I don't know what I was doing. I couldn't really move. But once I knew I had a chance to talk to you this morning, it all washed away. I'm just all fired up. I could run a marathon. At least Weird. like the first several well, blocks. Here I am. So Alex Zelinsky, what's the ratio? You want to start with mayor? You want to start with city council? You want to start somewhere else? Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start Let's start with mayor. It's going to be a runoff. It's the most interesting one, but they're all, uh, there's a lot of really interesting ones. It's going to be a runoff. And um, I'm, I know you were watching this as closely as me, but, you know, the first numbers that came in showed um, that Ted Wheeler, the incumbent, is what, what still, you know, still had a good chunk of the, the votes, over 50%. I think it was around 53%, which um, a, ahead of, you know, um, Sarah Anarone, who had us in the, you know, low 20s, um, and which kind of signaled right off the bat that, okay, maybe, you know, there's not going to be a runoff because, uh, you know, uh, you have to have lower than 50% of a vote to, to trigger that. But um, as the day crept on, as Tuesday turned into Wednesday, uh, that percentage point for Ted Wheeler kept dropping to below 50%, which is where we are now. Um, and it's all but guaranteed that that he and Sarah Anarone will, will face each other in a runoff which in November, which uh, is, is pretty rare in Portland history uh, for mayors to, to not win outright in a primary. I think I saw some number this morning that maybe have an eight time since the since the early 80s um and it i know i i think it's great i think challenging um having a challenge having especially for an incumbent mayor having to really um prove himself and and fight a little bit more than just kind of sitting back and and watching the numbers come in which you know it didn't seem like ted Wheeler's campaign was putting too much effort into their campaign um and this this primary and so I'm interested to see kind of what it'll look like for the general election. and I do want to talk I want do want to talk about the general election first of all though are there any is there any news on any remaining ballots what is left to be counted is it just challenge ballots a few stragglers yep that's what I hear challenge ballots which are you know if someone didn't sign the back of their ballot or they put the mysteriously incorrect signature um, or folks who are mailing in ballots from um, not mailing, but folks who dropped off their ballots in, in different counties, and those counties, it's up to them to send them over this way, um, which is something I didn't know existed. But um, it's about, you know, probably a few thousands left 
um, at least in Multnomah County. Uh, statewide, I, I, I couldn't say, but um, the numbers that really count in these, these local races, um, most all the ballots are in. And the margin right now, it's 49.39. I actually didn't do the math of the total. Well, actually, I can do it really quick. So the total votes cast in the mayor's race, 214,000 votes. He's got 105. To get more than half of that, he'd need a few thousand more votes. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't seem like challenge ballots. There's any chance of challenge. There's going to be a few thousand votes all switch from some candidate right. to, to Wheeler out of the challenge ballots, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, tricky making the decision making the call kind of at this point but i think it's it seems really unlikely that unless wheeler has a, a huge pool of supporters who are very bad at signing their envelopes their ballots um i, I don't think the chances that they're going to totally flip um but it could be. I mean, you, we, I don't want to. I mean, yeah, it could be. It could be, and not because not because his voters are particularly bad signers, but just because you could imagine that right. a lot of the you know large number of the people who are like oh you know kind of a little bit lazy and filling out that portion of the ballot or the ballot or the kind of person who might just say I oh, will just stick with the kind of mayor we got. So w- I want to be a little humble before we try to you know True. C- certify yeah. a ballot before certify an election before it's been certified. But the current uh, the current understanding is what the current understanding is. Moving on into the fall, mm-hmm. Sarah Anarone still gets outvoted two to one by Ted Wheeler. What? How does that race shape up, or what are the key questions in your mind going into the mm-hmm. general election? I think. Um, well, I spoke with Sarah yesterday evening after the news, uh, the results kind of came in, and um, and she spoke to something that seemed that's you know my thinking too about where she needs to really refocus is is uh, you know letting people know and having. Portlanders really know who she is. A lot of her, um, her the primary race has really been focused on um, just the anti-Ted Wheeler and really showing um, voters kind of the, maybe the flaws and the gaps in Wheeler's policies and his you know leadership in general. Um, but there hasn't been a ton of focus on Ayanna Ron herself and kind of what she would bring to the table that'd be different, especially since she doesn't have any political background or political experience aside from running campaigns um, and, and political organizing in some ways. But she, um, yeah, I think she, she really needs to prove herself as the leader. Sure, maybe Portlanders don't want to see Ted Wheeler anymore, um, and that's why they chose her or chose someone else, but that there needs to be a, a mandate as to why you know why her and i think that's um i think that's on both of i think it's on both sarah and ted in the next five months you know i think um this particular scenario with you know voting in the middle of a of a pandemic and having a campaign during a uh, you know a crisis has um benefited incumbents uh like ted Beeler because his name is recognizable um because he's on the news almost every night uh and he's doing you know a really solid job uh, locally at responding to this crisis. And so it's in his favor right now, I think, to support him and, and, and at least without having to put too much effort in, um, you know, he kind of was able to, to gather a lot of votes. And it's, it'll be interesting to see if that is reflected in, in that holds in the general election um, and if he decides to put more, you know, effort into campaigning up until then. And I want to ask about that as well. First, back to Sarah. Bigger question for her in your mind, and your newspaper endorsed her for the in the primary. Bigger question in your mind for Sarah. 
Is it why should she be elected or how would she do if given the job? One is a little bit more of a policy question. The other is a little bit more of a management question. Yeah. I think um, I think her work and practice is the bigger question. Uh, how she would do at this particular job, which is unlike many other jobs, including being the mayor in other cities um, because of our you know, specific um, structure of city government. And I think, I mean, you know, if you look to the history, or look to Portland's history, um, you have Bud Clark, who was a mayor with absolutely no um, experience in politics, uh, who did a pretty solid job at running a city, <laughs> um, at least, you know, uh, numbers wise, you know, didn't, didn't, um, but Alex, he was a but he was a man, and it, it was it, it, therefore. Great point. Must... He also, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I but um, I do, and I, but I say that in part because I do think, and I wrestle with this, right? That I do think Sarah will be facing this question: Well, can she do the job? And I do wonder: Will she be held to a different standard that Bud Clark was uh, was held to? Her accomplishments, I think, are no less uh, than bar owner Bud Clark's. But did he have some right. advantage uh, in that uh, debate based on you know? An origin, uh, original sin of misogyny. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, and that factors into any um, any of these races, right? And 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 that's kind of almost um, uh, lowers the starting point for any woman who 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 joins a political race. Um, and I'm sure she'll be held to a to a higher standard because of that. Uh, I think she already has been. We've seen in the past uh, in the primary, she's been um, kind of. Uh, reprimanded for being too outspoken, for being too defensive and argumentative, and 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 words that and ideas that you don't always place blame on if a, if a male politician um, puts them on the table. So I I have no doubt that that's going to be a central point. Um, I do think that you know pointing to her ability to manage um, uh, a restaurant, a cafe for a while, her background and urban policy and understanding kind of the ins and outs of that, I mean, I think that'll help. Um, I certainly think she needs to do more to really prove that she um, can do the, the, the job more than just aspirational, like, ideas about what um, she wants the job to look like and what she wants the city to look like. Uh, and I think that will be certainly, I, I think that will also be what, what Ted Wheeler will point out the most when it comes to, you know, him versus versus Sarah because he has such a, a long history in politics. Um, let's talk about and, let's talk about Ted. So that you yeah. said is the biggest question for Sarah is how would she do in this particular job? And it's a right. different job than other jobs and it's a big job. What do you think the biggest question for Ted Wheeler is now? As you already said, he is going to be he's got to treat this campaign a little bit differently than he treated the last one or at least he might. What's the biggest question for the mayor? Hmm. I think um, I think he really needs to define or at least illustrate a bit better why he cares about this job and why he wants this job. I don't think Portlanders have really seen that. Um, I think they've seen his frustration. I think they've seen his, um, you know, uh, his exhaustion with some of the job. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's, uh, his fault necessarily. I think maybe this is just not, you know, he's he's a bit of an introvert in some ways, but I think really putting himself out there as someone who um, deserves this job and cares, 
passionately about Portland and about changing things around. Um, I, I just don't think many folks really know who this guy is um, and why why he really cares about this city. Yeah, as I think about the mayors of my childhood, I think about Bud Clark who gave whoop whoop and celebrated the city, right? Exposed <laughs> himself to art and was sort of a symbol of the city and gave everybody, had enthusiasm for Portland and gave people enthusiasm for Portland. Uh, Vera Katz, who served for 12 years, and maybe her most defining physical characteristic was her smile, right? That that bred, helped lead, again, enthusiasm for the city. And I don't mean to reduce either of them to just a a couple of personality traits, uh, but I did. I do remember those things. Those were the mayors of right. my childhood. And as I think about, as I think about Ted Wheeler, you know, what is that ganas? What is that desire? What is that uh, forward-moving energy? I, I, it's a fair question. Yeah, and it's tricky because, of course, like that—that's not what makes a mayor, right? Like he—he he has great, um, great background and in legislating in some ways and in um, you know his work as a, the state treasurer. He's he's great with money. He's great with budgets. He shouldn't have to be kind of an over-the-top, um, you know, a Bud Clark-type mayor, but but to show some um, some side of his his persona that is truly passionate about this city um, and help us ex- understand a little bit about why he wants to be here. I think he's pretty he's um, he's guarded in some ways that a lot of leaders aren't, um, and there's something to be said for letting that guard down especially when you want, you know, to, to, to collect some votes and to stick around at least four more years. When you look at the campaign going forward, how do you see the mayor's campaign changing? Presumably Sarah Anarone will run public again. Uh, presumably she will work to gather uh, even more individual contributions. She'll end up gathering more individual contributions than any campaign in city history. Uh, and the uh, and I have some idea what her campaign is going to look like. We'll ask her that question, and we'll also observe. Ted Wheeler's got to change his campaign. He was he started out by funding it mostly with five and ten thousand dollar checks. Those are now prohibited. So says not so say not only eighty seven percent of Portland voters, but also the courts of Oregon. So how does Ted Wheeler's campaign change, or at least and, and Ted Wheeler himself says he's going to abide by those limits? To be clear, uh, whatever unless maybe there is some new court ruling. How do you think that shapes the mayor's approach to the race? Well, I mean, if you looked at the primary, his primary campaign, um, it's, it's, you know, it's very small amount of ads, maybe one ad or one or two mailers, no TV ads, really, really tiny online presence. Uh, yesterday I was trying to track down just his campaign social media pages and it's very hard to find. And, um, and really few followers and few posts and kind of, you know, that's the way, especially right now in this like pandemic um, type uh, election, you, a lot of, you see a lot of candidates really relying on, um, on TV ads and online ads and, and, you know, text, like Instagram ads and all that. But, and so I think, um, especially as, you know, we don't see kind of the stay-home orders changing dramatically in the next at least couple months. I think um, he needs to really tweak his campaign to at least give the appearance of a more grassroots and a more engaged um, 
campaign. You can't do it with a handful of checks and a handful of press conferences. we got three minutes, and I want to make sure we at least touch on the really important city council races. Yeah. Do you think position two uh, is is that a testament to a need for a new voting system, some sort of ranked choice voting, star voting, so we have a clearer idea of voters' preferences rather than going into the general election with two candidates, neither of whom got 20 percent of the vote? Or is that pushing too hard? Uh, it's a tricky election. It's a specific, I mean, obviously, there are so many candidates who threw their hats into the ring and so many qualified candidates. So I think in some ways you're right. Yeah, we, we need um, we need a, a longer city council diet. We need more people um, representing, uh, representing the city, especially since a lot of folks clearly saw themselves and saw a leader in um, more than five, uh, you know, candidates who who got a a good number of the vote um i think it's uh yeah it it, it's uniquely tricky to see those kind of neck and neck numbers everyone kind of gathered you know something in the teens or at least five from people gathered you know between 12 and 19 percent um and sure i think that's a good a good argument for for why we need more uh either ranked race voting or um, or not race voting, but a, a broader, a broader city council. Star. Uh, last thing we've got just thirty seconds, yeah. maybe sixty-five seconds to touch on. By the way, just got to slack in. Best interview with Alex yet. So, all right, congratulations. To, uh, <laughs> the, thank you so much for being here. In yeah. in the Sam Adams uh, Mingus Maps Chloe Daly race, no longer the Sam Adams race. He is conceded. Sixty-nine percent of the voters in the city voted against Chloe Daly. What does she have to do to hold her seat? I think she really needs to explain some of the decisions that she's made that have really rubbed some Portlanders the wrong way, specifically the neighborhood, her her um, perspective and her approach, I guess, to the um, neighborhood uh, representation by kind of what seemed to be like taking aim at neighborhood associations um, and her interest in kind of leveling the, the um, playing field for different groups that could represent it in City Hall, not just neighborhood associations. Um, I think that whole rollout was really clunky and confusing. And um, instead of really explaining what was going on, uh, you know, this project through her office, she was more defensive um, in ways that, that, yeah, that really didn't sit well with a lot of folks. Um, Minkus Maps really has a you know strong following of these neighborhood association groups, um, and I you know that's kind of one of the reasons why he chose to run. Uh, I think obviously that that's I mean Chloe Daly has uh, enemies in other ways too when it comes to uh, renter reform and kind of fighting for tenants, um, but for some reason this this neighborhood association challenge has really put her um, made her a target for folks who are, you know, community leaders who I think have a lot more sway um, in elections like this than, uh, yeah, in other situations. I do think that she she and Sam Adams um, both had a lot of similar, um, I know they had, you know, they have shared social groups, shared friends. I think um, she and Sam kind of split the vote for, you know, what they both represent more than uh, Mingus, and so she oh, will that's collect interesting. a good number. 
That's interesting. Yeah. That, that, I mean, he did have, I mean, their involvement in the arts community. Uh, yeah. They're both and the more. And the insider-outsider you know. thing. Forgive me cutting you off, but they're about to cut yeah, us no. both off. I hadn't thought right. about it that way. And, of course, there's also going to be a new set of voters. I want to just start, I want to just end by saying thank you, Alex Zielinski, for all your coverage. Let's do it again very soon. And I like having a little yep. more time. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Thank you so much, Alex Zielinski. And thank you, all of our X-Ray listeners. Thank you so much to our members. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Morrow Link. Ink on anything. Mail anywhere.